Heart to Heart, a Horizon Produce podcast. My name is Christina Pearl, and today we are sitting down with Sean Cudahy, who not only is a Horizon alumni, but the founder of Room 9 Podcast that was developed with the intent of ending the stigma around mental health and substance use through storytelling. Today, we will learn a bit more about Sean, what he has experienced, and his passion and motivation that has driven him to this point. Sean, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We've had the great opportunity to sit in on many of your podcasts, and so we're grateful that you are able to take the time to sit in on on Horizons. So would you be able to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Sean Cudahy, and I started a business centered around mental health and substance use about, oh gosh, how long ago was this now? Over two years now. I was going to say, I think it's been at least two years. Yeah. And it kind of just started off as a fun thing, just a podcast. And now after getting a grant from the New York State Education Department and you know stuff like that, I finally got into some video production and am moving along. So That's it's been, awesome. It's been quite the ride. That is incredible. And I mean, we need those resources now more than ever. So um, I'm sure you will never be without content or the need, right? No, yeah, there's plenty of content out there. I guess I always said that's kind of a, a, a weird thing situation because you want people to get better, but you're also, it's your job at the same time. Right. But I guess I would take going unemployed and losing my business if everybody got to a, a healthier state of mind. Absolutely. Well, and also just, you know, your want and and your want for really providing those resources to people, providing that support um, and, and being that connection to support, you know, and um, and I think once, you know, we start hearing a little bit more about you, the, there are so many areas that you can provide insight from your own experiences and in turn provide these incredible resources. To So with that being said, what brought you to Horizon and why don't you tell us a little background of kind of what got you to Horizon and then we can explain even more about how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I started off in jail <laughs> is where my journey really began. Um it was more of what was the oh save the michaels is a company in western new york that their main job is really to take people they find them transportation to any rehab really in new york state right and they took me from jail all the way out to orangeburg new york which is right outside new york city so that was about a 7 hour drive they took me to a short term rehab okay from, from jail and then from there i actually had two choices I could have went to another recovery long-term treatment facility in the Western New York area or Horizons. And I chose Horizons and actually stayed at my short-term rehab for 20 extra days to get into Horizons just because of what everybody said about it. Not only the workers of the short-term rehab I was in, but also the residents as well. Everybody said, you want to go to Horizons. And 
So I waited 20 extra days in order to make sure I got into Horizon Village in Sanborn, New York. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, everybody was just talked very good about it. That's great. And that's what we can hope for. And, you know, there's always obviously room for more improvements, but to, to have that, you know, reputation and, and for you to want that, you know, what was the hardest part for you, that transition from short term to Horizon Village? I would say, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think the hardest part in general was people were always kind of in this, this rush of they were missing out on something on the outside or I have bills to pay or I have this to do and missing out. And especially I was in the summer time. So people really felt like they were missing out on something. And right. I had to really just daily keep a mindset of if I don't take care of and do the work that I need to do now, I'm going to have to go through this all over again. And that is much worse than spending maybe an extra few weeks in uh, a rehab. And so I really developed a mindset of just any time my mind, and this would be multiple times a day, anytime my mind would go to, you got to get out of here. I'm missing out on something. I really had to stop myself and say, you have to take care of you now and do what yeah, you absolutely. need to do now. And that's kind of was probably the toughest challenge. I think a lot of people go through that and they kind of tend to forget that, all right, this is my time. I have no other responsibilities right now other than taking care of me. Right. And, and that was the mindset I had to really get into. And that was probably the most challenging thing. Oh, I'm sure. Because there's always <laughs> factors, right, that are on the back of your mind. And I think as a society, we always put those other factors first instead of sometimes putting ourselves first. So not always the easiest, but you were you were able to do that. So that's incredible. What did you struggle with? that brought you like, what was, um, the substance that you struggled with the most? Yeah. So my biggest struggle was that kind of story you hear all the time, got hurt and then hurt my back, got prescribed pain medication. And then eventually it just worsened and then led to heroin. How old were you when you got hurt? Oh my goodness. How old was I? 30, I believe 30. Okay. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, I was 30 years old because I was trying to the time out. You know, it's interesting because I have this discussion with people a lot that it really, because I've been prescribed pain pills before when I got my appendix out in my mid 20s and stuff like that. And I never really struggled with the that substance itself until after my terrible divorce where I fell into a depression yeah. and really felt like a failure as a husband, a failure as a son, a brother, a father. And that's when I really found my addiction when I got prescribed this medication. My depression was covered up, you right. know, temporarily anyway, with this with this drug, and then I continued to really abuse it. And that's a story we hear so much. Mm -hmm. You know that not only are people prescribed, you know, pain meds, and even like you said, you had been prescribed it before. And it didn't affect you in that way, you know, a few years prior, but then it did. But on top of that, you were also struggling with some mental health issues too, which so many of us struggle with and don't always recognize them, right? No, and correct. Now, when you were at Horizon, 
were you able to work through obviously both your substance use, but also your mental health as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the, I mean, as you said, it's, you're hard pressed to find somebody who is struggling with just one of those. Usually it's this co-occurring challenge that you're going through. And I think that was probably the, the best thing for me was most of my change or at least beginning of my change started in jail, believe it or not. And I've seen people that jail isn't really good for. And I know that's really a thing that we're really trying to work on is get the substance use and mental health thing away from the criminal justice system. But I needed that time for me to be sitting alone. And I just remember so vividly having that decision to make. Either I can go down this road of feeling sorry for me and self-pity in this this stinking mode of just hating myself, or I can decide right now to make an effort to change. Right. And I think that's where it really started for me. And that allowed me to go into my short-term rehab, to go into my long-term Horizon Village and really put effort into just being open, honest, authentic, and vulnerable with whoever it is would be my counselor at the time. Absolutely. And that's all anybody would ever want, right? For someone to feel, you know, comfortable enough and open enough to to be transparent and to be vulnerable because it's not easy. What would you say is, you know, maybe one or maybe a few of the experiences that stand out most to you from being at Horizon for treatment? Yeah, let's say, well, I first I got there at probably, I think it was 1230 in the morning. <laughs> so wow. it was, it was a strange time. Like I said, I came from right. New York City, pretty much. Right. So it was, um, it was a late drop off. Um, so getting in there, it was kind of, you know, everybody was already in their rooms and in their beds and that. So I had to go into my dark room. I didn't want to turn the light on, on my brand new roommate. Right. <laughs> so right. Yeah, first I, impression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, so there's that. And, you know, uh, just right away though, it was, um, just welcoming. And I mean, even the, the lady who was kind of out and about on the night shift said, if I wanted to, I could come out and read. They don't usually allow it. You know, you usually have to be in your room, but because it was my first time there. So immediately it was, uh, you know, just a welcome, you know, right off the bat. And I think so many people when they even they get into these places are always like they put the workers almost on this, they're my adversary. You know, they're gonna have these rules and they're gonna try to tell me. And, you know, I don't think it was like that at all when I when I got there. And there was so much just really just the welcoming and everything else. But as far as, you know, kind of my challenges and, you know, my first impressions, I just you know, as time goes on, you get more comfortable anywhere. And I think that is a very, you know, important thing to always remember when you're first there at any place in any new environment, it can be overwhelming yep. but to always just, okay, this is somewhere I'm going to be for a while. I might as well make the best of it and, you know, make this kind of my home, I guess, for lack of a better term. Right. Like if you're there, why not? Like you said, you know, give 110%, be in the moment, because hopefully that will allow you to continue to move forward and not have to go back. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's obviously easier said than done. I mean, it's, it's always a, a constant challenge and a constant, you know, conversation you have in your head with yourself about, 
all right, how am I going to get through this? Right. Right. Now, Horizon has a family program for residents who are at Terrace House and Horizon Village. Did you participate in that at all? Yeah, my family was very, very involved. Um, you know, that's something I, you see a lot of. And it's it's tough because, again, there's some families who have been through it over and over and over again. And I feel like some of them are just like, why am I going to keep going to these things when they're not going to change? And it's really it's tough to do without that family support. I really believe right. that. And I mean, for any parent who would be listening to this, it's like no matter what, you can't give up on your loved one because you never know when that spark will happen, when right. the change will really happen. And and my family was super supportive. I think, A, this was kind of our, our first time through something like this. I tried to get clean on my own um, once. And that, I mean, that lasted four weeks tops. But this was really kind of our first time going through something like this. But I think a lot of the unconditional support I had from my family, my parents, sister, girlfriend, and even aunts and uncles was due to my, my brother and sister died when I was 15. And I think that really kind of gave everybody in my family a paradigm shift of, you know what, life can be taken from you. Your loved one can be taken from you in any moment. And we have to just love each other unconditionally or else yes. you will have regrets. Absolutely. And so my, my family took full advantage of the, the family groups, the counseling, sitting in with my counselor, coming to the family visitation nights. And I think that was a huge piece in my success to have that and at least made it easier. It can be yeah. done without it, but it makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. And to have that support and to have that education too, right? There's mm -hmm. so much education and awareness that, you know, a lot of family members and friends and loved ones they might not know. So just to have a platform to learn and to grow together and, you know, to to work as a cohesive family unit to figure out what you need, what they need, keep those conversations going. Mm -hmm. That's that's really incredible that that you had so much support. Yeah, I think that that's key. And, you know, like I said, because I don't want anyone who doesn't have that family support to be discouraged either. Sure. But that that is that is something that makes life a lot, a lot easier to know you have that that support behind you. Absolutely. And if you could tell someone, I mean, and we'll get into, you know, kind of everything that's been happening over the last couple of months in a little bit, but you know, there's always people who are considering, you know, coming and, and trying this level of care. There's always those that have tried it in the past and might be hesitant to come back. If you could tell somebody, you know, who's considering reaching out for help, whether they've, you know, been through it in the past or thinking about reaching out for help for the first time because they are struggling um, with a substance or with, you know, a co-occurring mental health and substance use disorder, what would you want to say to them? What would you want them to hear from you, given, you know, your experiences and kind of your journey? I would say, you know, that's always a tough. I, it's funny because I ask this question all the time when I'm hosting <laughs> my podcast and <laughs> I haven't really played that one out in my head for me to answer too much. But it's, you know, I think one of the the greatest things and I guess I'll just go with what 
is kind of always been in my mission statement for my my company is to just learn from every time you fall to just learn and to be willing to as you're deciding to come into a treatment center or whatever it is just have that mindset of I'm going to screw up I'm going to fail and to be able to not get into self-pity and to be able to pick your head up and open your eyes and learn something that you can apply for the next time around is amazing. And I think that is what makes, for me, it turned failure into this heavy, miserable thing and turned it into something where it's almost like I'm excited to do it. Like, all right, right. I can't wait because this is how I learn the quickest. I'm going to screw something up one way or another. And I can learn something from it that much quicker. And even, like I said, I have over two years clean. And that's it, incredible, Sean. And, but, you know, just last two weeks ago, I caught myself lying about something that I had no reason to, nobody would have cared if I told the truth. But I just, you know, and I ended up being caught in this lie. And it's like, all right, instead of, oh, you suck, you, you know, why, what are you doing? You're a failure. It was just like, all right, I'm going to learn from this. Right. Like you you got to develop, you got to still work on being completely open. And, you know, these old behaviors don't just leave after 30 days of being in a, you know, a short-term rehab. Like it's a constant lifetime thing of working on yourself and failing right. and learning from those, those failures. And we all experience that, right? We can't be perfect. We mess up, we make mistakes, but it's just all how you handle it, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess to answer your question, for somebody who is thinking about going in there, just be prepared. You're going to make mistakes, but just be open to learn from them. And we just self-pity, I realize, is one of the most dangerous things we can be in as individuals. And when we can learn to catch ourselves from slipping into that, because sometimes you're in self-pity and you you wake up and you realize you're in it and it's been two weeks. Like you can get in it without even knowing. So really develop that awareness of, Sure. Staying out of self-pity and just go forth and do what you, you need to do. Right. Absolutely. Why do you think detox and residential services are so important in the treatment um, continuum for some for some of our patients, for, for our community? Why would you say they're so vital as, you know, a level of care and, and a treatment path for people? I, th I think that kind of goes back to what I said earlier on, where, and for lack of a better, I guess, for a better word, it's like, it's almost like a vacation. <laughs> I don't, right. I, I can't think of a better word to use because it's not like you're going to the Caribbean and you can have, do whatever you want, but vacation in the sense of your responsibilities are on hold. Yeah. Oh, your only responsibility is you. And that is the nice thing. When I tried to get clean on my own, and I know people have done it and I know it's possible. But when I tried to do it for me personally, it was I still had to work. I still had to get up. I still had this and that. And I had to do all this. And when I was in short and long term facility, treatment facility, all that was gone. All I had to do was, yes, I had to get up at a certain time and go to groups, but it was just me. There was nothing right. else I had to worry about. And I think that's a huge piece of it. And I think that's why these treatment facilities for the percentage of people it helps that that's why they're good. Absolutely. Oh, that's a great point. So with everything that's been going on in our world for the last couple of months, um, how do you think COVID 
has impacted people who are struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, and other, you know, mental health disorders. Yeah, I mean, I guess if anybody's turned on the news over the last few months, you realize so many people have been struggling. I know. uh, With that a lot. Um, I have found I've had one friend that had a big slip up for a couple of weeks. I mean, he's back on track, which is good. But I've had a lot of people call me and just just tell me how much they're struggling. And I think you're, you're taking away a lot of things like my one friend uses the gym. Right. I mean, that that's always been his healthier support for them. Yep, that's been his his big support, and you know that was taken away, and he was struggling, and you know so there's just so much of that going on, and people are enclosed in their homes, and I feel blessed because this is that has kind of been my life the last few years working alone in a room. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. I, I've been you know fortunate now. I've kind of actually had more people around me than I normally do. Right. But for for a lot of people, that's not the case. And I think it's just, it's been challenging. It's uh, obviously, it's been challenging. You, you see it all over the place. I mean, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I wish I had an answer of if you do this and that, you'll be all right. But it's just so different for everybody. And I guess all I can say is it always, for me, it always leads back to this one thing to be able to get through it. And it's just be vulnerable and be open enough to just reach out and talk with people. Right. And, you know, one of the one of the biggest things and I I like saying this, too, is, you know, when people I can when I need help from somebody, I always feel like, oh, I'm going to bug them. Oh, I'm going to they're going to be annoyed that I'm asking them for this. And the way I changed my mindset on that was when somebody reaches out to me for help, I love being there for people. (laughs) I love being able to help them and be like, yeah, or at least be there to listen. And I've had to really change my mindset. That's what the majority of people are like. Yes. And that excuse of I'm going to bug them, I'm going to annoy them is just that is an excuse. And I had to really, you know, make sure I'm always in that mindset as well. Oh, sure. Well, and also, I mean, it's such a testament to you that people, you know, look to you for advice and support and feel comfortable asking questions. But also, I'm sure in turn, when you were going through, treatment and working through everything, you reached out to the supports you needed. And you, I'm sure, feel grateful that you had those supports. So for you to be able to be a support, that is awesome. Yep. No, it is. And, you know, I still have those people I can reach out when I'm struggling too, which is great. You know, it always goes both ways. Yes. Yes. And keeping those supports and keeping those conversations going, even if a couple of weeks go by or a couple of months goes by, like to check in and to just know they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes a text means a lot more than you can imagine. Exactly. Just to check in. Hey, thinking about you or hey, just checking in to see how you're doing. Absolutely. And I think connection has been one of the biggest barriers over the last couple of months, especially for those who are so used to in-person connections, mm-hmm. right? And you obviously developing your podcast and, and I'd love to hear more about kind of how it came about and, you know, when you completed treatment and how did this whole platform, Room 9, how did it all come about? Yeah, I, lo- I love telling this story because um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just cool how I kind yes, of just... it is cool. It was a, a grassroots kind of thing, but... I mean, my first two episodes 
of the podcast were actually recorded while I was still technically a resident of Horizon Village. And it was, you know, we you get passes to go out for, you know, the longer you're there, the more hours you can spend outside of the facility. And my roommate, which we obviously share the room number nine, which room nine comes from. I love and, that. <laughs> and That's we, so cool. And we would record, actually, it was in my parents' garage, those first two episodes on a crappy laptop, two <laughs> crappy microphones, uh, you know, and we just sat down and had a conversation. It was really for fun. And it kind of just slowly started picking up and picking up with the help of, you know, a lot of people in the area. But it kind of just grew by itself. And finally, it wasn't too long after I got out of um, Horizon Village and into an Oxford house is when I really started treating it like a full time job. Right. And how many episodes do you have total right now? Oh, I think almost 90. That's amazing. Yeah, I think almost 90. One a week. That's great. That's yeah. really great. It's it's been it's been awesome the watching the journey. Well, and I mean to be able to explain your journey, but then also, I mean, the experts you bring in, the community members you bring in, I think it's it's really incredible to sit back and see how thoughtful your episodes are, your content is, because you kind of think, hey, you know, this could help somebody because this kind of helped me. Or let's talk about, you know, let's speak to one of the counselors that I met, you know, while I was at Horizon Village and, you know, talk about the program and, you know, maybe that'll help somebody. So that thoughtfulness has been has been really cool to see evolve. Yeah, yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. It's it's been I mean, I've just met so many different people whether it was, you know, there's so many other companies too that are out there that are doing amazing things just like Horizon Health Services and you know, they're all out there and a lot of them work together, which is cool to see as well. Absolutely. No it is. And like we said, you know, in the beginning, the more resources out there the better. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's there always needs to be more conversation and, you know, more ways to connect. And especially given our world right now, I mean, podcasts are, you know, they're at our fingertips. So to be able to hop onto an episode and listen and give 60 minutes or 30 minutes and, you know, to learn and hear is, uh, that's great because so many people, that's, you know, one of the only ways that some people might be able to connect to a resource right now easily and seamlessly, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's why that's why I really have always loved podcasts since the day the to- the term was coined, and I think like 2004 or something. And I just remember falling in love with them. But my reason reasoning for that is you can be doing laundry, you can be driving, you can be on the bus, you can be walking, you can be working out. It doesn't matter what you're doing for the most part you can be listening to a podcast and for somebody to have the ability to know they're not alone in something they're struggling with or be able to find a resource, why they are taking care of their household chores. I always thought was awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. The ease of connecting to that information is, is very valuable. Mm -hmm. 
So um, that's so great. It's it's so wonderful to see all that you've accomplished. And I really look forward to seeing. I always look forward to your next episodes. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to touch on that I have not? I don't know. There's not too much. I mean, right now, I always love talking about this, the new project that I'm going to get started on. Not totally sure where it's going to end up, but I really want to start creating a almost like a database of mini documentaries, basically video podcasts, but with more story involved, you know, in this in like a documentary sense of people where people can go and if they're struggling with anxiety, they can watch this 15 minute mini documentary on how somebody who has struggled with anxiety, the ways they have used to overcome that and so on and so forth. And I really want to start a collection of series based around whether it's anxiety, depression, even schizophrenia, or just whatever it is, where people can go and watch these stories and be a part of it. And that's kind of like one of my newer projects that I'm just starting, very beginning stages. That's awesome. And I'm excited about that. But I mean, other than that, I think, you know, like I said, Room 9, really our mission is to go around and just allow people to know they're not alone and to allow people to know that there's so many different ways that you can overcome something and become, you know, on top of it and take back control of your life. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, always what we have talked about here at Room 9. Absolutely. And, And that's the biggest piece I think so many of us, you know, try to collaborate on is, you know, you're not alone. And there are a lot of resources. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of organizations out there that will meet you where you're at, you know, whether it's you personally, whether it's a a family member, a loved one, a friend. Um, But yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. No one should ever feel like they're alone. And hopefully people will reach out and listen to Room 9 and listen to us and hopefully feel comfortable picking up that phone if they ever need it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing the things we go through and we feel like we are completely alone in that. And then you hear one thing and that's what can really spark change. I mean, I feel like that's the beginning of the beginning of the change process is hearing you're not alone. Oh, somebody else is struggling with this too. How do they overcome it? Right. And you just get bits and pieces from everybody's journey on how they overcame what you're struggling with and you find your own way. Exactly. And you figure out what best fits you at that moment and and hopefully work towards it. Absolutely. Well, Sean, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit with us on the other side of the mic. I know. <laughs> so, this was great. <laughs> awesome. And good luck. And we are so looking forward to seeing what else is to come from Room 9. And we'll definitely be having you back for sure. Great, great. Real quick, too. I am officially selling Room 9 t-shirts. So if you go to room9podcast.com, you can get one. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. <laughs> All right, Christina. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope this episode allowed you to hear about not only the benefits of treatment and the importance of support, but the incredible resources that are available in our community. We hope to continue to work with Sean and so many other community partners on reducing the stigma around mental health and substance use. Be sure to subscribe to Heart to Heart to stay up to date and informed on the latest education and resources on topics that matter most to our community. 
Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn for continued conversation and connection around all that is provided to those in need. Thank you for listening.